This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is The Citadel Cafe, episode number 431 for Wednesday, February 8th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan and The Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Lou Page is back. You can find him on Zombies Ate My Podcast with friend of the show, Ryan Murphy, and at Busy Zombie Lord on all the social media that matters. Hello, Lou. Howdy. I'm dead, Lou. You're dead. Or rather, I am death. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am become death. How does that line go? Anyway, I've discovered a fun little game uh, that I'm hoping to get more time in that I want to talk to you about because I thought it was, I, t- I found out that it is an indie uh, developer. Uh, Acid Nerve has developed this game, Death Store. It's been out for like six or eight months, but it just came to Xbox uh, Game Pass. And the the splash art kind of caught my attention. I was looking for something chill. Uh, and, uh, it's published by, um, Devolver Digital, which is a much larger publisher. So I was like, is this an indie game or is this like what? Devolver is a very interesting company. Uh, I recommend if you want to get to know Devolver, look up their E3 videos because they're notorious. They hire actors to pretend to be the president of the company. And then they like do these videos where they're presenting their new games and she's like beating the staff with whips and she's murdering people that don't do what she says. And like, it's some crazy nonsense. They started out doing indie and they've slowly become kind of like a large publisher, but they still try to pretend that they're an indie publisher. Right. So the developer though, Acid Nerve is definitely indie. They've got like two or three yeah. titles. Most of them are like pixel art games. Um, there's a, currently one is for like Apple. There's another one that looked like it was a Steam release, Titan something. Um, anyway, Death's Door is, uh, it's actually quite a, quite a lot of fun. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. You play a crow. So you're a little crow kind of cartoony character. Uh, and you are a reaper of souls. So think like Grim, Grim Reaper. You have to go... Yeah collect souls but you're not collecting souls from people you're collecting souls from beings in this kind of imaginary world uh and on your very first assignment which is given to you in like an office so like there's a yep. dude with like a calculator and there's files and so like it's kind of like this office job and the tongue-in-cheek joke is this like you know you better meet your quota you know like you gotta you gotta bring in the souls and keep this this rat race going sort of deal and if they said something like rat race, then they'd joke about like, I know we're crows, it's a rat, but just no, never mind. So like the, the dialogue is really quirky and, and fun uh, in that way. Um, but as you go on your first assignment, your soul, which is that you, it's just a boss fight, the first level, which I thought was really interesting um, and long. Um, but when you beat it, the soul is then stolen. Some new character comes in, bops you on the head and steals the soul that you're meant to collect. And then you, the real adventure is just like, why was my soul stolen? Um, and why, uh, or by whom, like for what purpose, like all that kind of stuff. And so I've played the first, the first level beyond that and had another boss fight. And it reminds me of old school games. Like it reminds me of games like Contra, 
Zelda for like the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yep. Yep. Um, a lot of like it's what's well, isometric, so it's like a top-down. I thought it was going to be a puzzle game. Like I didn't realize there was going to be this much combat in it. Yeah. And it's it's a very stylized game. So that's kind of what wrote me in was like, okay, it, it looks like Monument Valley and Zelda kind of had a baby. Yeah. I, I, I've This has been on my radar for a while, but it hasn't been anything that like I've, I wasn't really ready to... Indie stuff like this, I either really like it or I lose interest in it an hour in. And 20 bucks is a lot of money for me to go... Oh, I'm not interested. So I've been watching this for a while, hoping that it would go on sale. So uh, if you're enjoying it, then it, the chances are I might actually like this. Yes, I think it's something like I'm enjoying it for a number of reasons because of the art, the humor, uh, the pace of it. You do kind of set your own pace. It's not like you're on a timer or or you're not pushed um, by constant enemies like uh it's not a roguelike so you're not like restarting every time you can replay the levels and and part of the mechanic is that you can upgrade your abilities so with enough souls gathered which is what you collect from these little itty bitty enemies that you meet along the way and they're like bats or mushrooms with claws or like you know just kind of fantastical creatures that don't like you very much um and they're quirky and weird like there's this one character it looks kind of like a I don't know. It almost looked like a daddy long legs, but it's only got four arms, no face. But then it has a giant mask that is the size of its entire body that it wears. And then it uses the mask to create itself into a ball and roll towards you. And that's its attack. So it's like really unique stuff. Like it's not just typical video game bad guys. Like they've got some unique twists in there. And, yeah. uh, I, I find the gameplay fun. I, the exploring the world and solving the puzzles of like how to get from one place to the next and the nice kind of reward of like, Oh, it took you 30 minutes to clear these levels of the, of the dungeon for the lack of a better term for it, the level. Uh, and now that you've reached this, you've beaten the onslaught of bad guys that we threw at you at the end of this session. Now you can pull the lever and the lever lowers the ladder so you never have to go down that way again. Like now you have a shortcut. So they're making it so that you can go back into these levels again and again, which is cool because if you want to do that grind, as you get more souls, you can then buy and upgrade your abilities. You've got strength and dexterity. You've got a bow and arrow that's magical. So you can upgrade the range or the speed or the recharge or all that kind of stuff. And you build up arrows by hitting enemies. So you don't have to worry about inventory, which is nice. Right. Uh, apparently you can get different weapons i've actually picked up an umbrella that i could use instead of my sword and it's funny and cute and animated well but it doesn't have the cool like lightsaber red kind of swoosh that my sword does yeah and uh it i don't think it does as much damage there's a reason i'm not using it um, but there are other like indications that you could end up with like a hammer or an axe, or there might be something that that could be advantageous against other bad guys. Like if I start fighting tree bad guys, I'm going to try to find an axe, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I wasn't yep. expecting it to be that in depth with the combat. I was expecting more puzzle games. Like it does look like Monument Valley. So your your brain kind of goes there. Yeah. That's what I was. It's one of the reasons why I've hesitated on getting this is it looked like besides boss fights, there wasn't going to be a lot of combat. It was going to be mostly puzzles. And that's usually where I check out. There's been a lot of in the last three or four years, there's been a bunch of like wannabe Zeldas. And the 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 and the, the, the kick of them is there's no more combat. 
it's just puzzle solving and adventure. And I find when I play something like that, I get like an hour or two in, and then the puzzles get really, really repetitive to the point where you realize what it is you have to do. And it's not that it's hard, it's just really repetitive and annoying. And I usually start checking out because at that point, the story really isn't that interesting anymore. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, but. There's one in there's one game and the premise is like you've been sent to this island by like the gods and you're like supposed to help these villages like farm and I was and, and, and scare away the bad guys. But you don't ever do any of it by fighting. It's by like building new walls to protect the city and stuff. And I thought it was going to be interesting. And then I realized everything was really the same and it was really just grindy. And I went, oh, I don't like this. And so when I saw this, I was like, do I take the risk and spend the 20 bucks or am I going to go? I can't say I would have bought this for 20 bucks. I would have maybe picked it up for 10 or 15 if it was on sale. Uh, That's kind of what I've been waiting on. Uh, But because it's part of Xbox Game Pass, I just play it. So that, that, that got me in the door a lot faster. Um, it's one of those games where like I played, I thought I'll just give this a go. You know, I'll play for an hour before I go to bed. Well, two hours later, uh, I was still playing cause it does have that. I just want to see what's around the corner vibe. Once you kind of get into it. Um, I did find the controls kind of hard to master, um, some different mechanics and stuff. And the boss fights, the, fr- I died a lot on the first boss fight and they're long, like really long yeah. and you've only got four hit points at least at this point i only have four hit points so like if you get hit you know you're probably going to get a hit at least twice so yeah. if you if you make a mistake early on and you have a couple of hits you're like oh damn it now i have to do this entire fight and not all get hit over at again all, at all. well or i've got another 10 minutes of this and i have to not get hit at all or i'm done um, yeah. And I I did find that they weren't very good at communicating how long that his, that boss fight was going to be. There's no health bar for the bosses. What happens is this red energy that you use to fight is in everything. And so as you hit stuff, it'll like crack red and then yeah. either explode or look damaged or look like it's dying. And it's quick with little bad guys, but with the big bad guys, they slowly get more and more and more cracked and dark and red. And it took me a while to realize over the time of this first boss fight that this plant thing that I was fighting was actually getting more and more and more red. And I thought, good Lord, like how many times do I have to go through this cycle? But it does, it does take quite a, quite a while. But once you know that you can expect that with other bosses. And I actually found that the first boss fight was shorter than the subsequent second boss fight. Um, but the story does grab you after that initial tutorial level. Um, you found find out that there is an area this realm that has been untouched by death. And so death's door in that area is locked and you're helping this older crow who is like a mentor to you or, or is the one that stole your soul that you tried to collect, collect enough souls to open death's door because what's happening in this magical realm with no death is things are growing um, beyond their natural size, age, and it's becoming a magical problem so you're going to try and close the door and so your first admission is to go north you can go in any direction you want which i thought was kind of cool but he suggests that you go north to the witch because the witch hat is a i can't remember what they're called they're some sort of larger being and they have a bigger soul which means that it might have enough energy to unlock the door so you're gonna you basically have like a a trifecta of bosses that you have to try to fight and kill 
And obviously to get to the witch, you have to go through a bunch of levels and stuff like that. But in the process, you get to know more about the humor of the, the, the game. It's not for little kids because like there's some cartoon blood in it, which I wasn't expecting. And then you meet yep. Pothead, which obviously has a, a fun kind of like double entendre joke to it. Yep. He's been cursed by the witch. He's his head is a is a pot of soup. <laughs> so yep. he's literally pothead. Um, but he'll sit there and he'll say, like, look, my affliction, the silly curse keeps me from like really being that good at battle, but I know my way around here. So I can guide you through the maze if you can kill the bad guys. And it's not an escort mission, which is good. You just have to kind of return to him and get your next direction as to like how how to navigate yeah. this this place. Um, and there's some interesting, cool game mechanics with your bow and arrow to unlock doors and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, throughout these conversations, he'll just kind of like stop and be like, soup, and just kind of like scoop out of his own head <laughs> and kind of yep. offer it to you. And the little crow's like, n- 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 no, I'm good. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. it's really awkward and it's, it's quite funny. It's quite good. So I would recommend it if you're into this kind of game. Like, what would you call this? Is it like an action RPG? Like what? what I would say it's an action RPG or a a, a Zelda style game. Yeah. It's got that isometric style, a top down kind of view to it. Um, But I, I, the character designs, uh, everything about it has been fun. The only thing I find frustrating is you can collect large soul orbs and they are the fastest way by far to get your upgrade so an upgrade will cost 400 600 800 souls and you get like 12 when you kill a bad guy maybe five depending on how bad big the bad guy is so the little minions are on the map you've got to kill a lot before you can upgrade your your stuff but if you collect a soul it like a soul ball it's like 300 souls in one go yeah so you get way closer to your your next upgrade um, but they're often put in places that you can't reach. Yep, and you have to, have, you have to solve a puzzle or have a new item that will help you get there. So, so that's the thing that bugs me is that I go around and I waste a bunch of time trying to solve the puzzle when there is no puzzle to solve. It's yep. probably that I don't have a weapon or I don't have an ability yet because I'm so early in the game and I'd yep. much rather sh- them show me stuff that I can actually get. I'm okay if it's hard, but I want to know that I can get it, not I have to come back for it, right? Yeah. And so I guess in a way it adds some replayability because once I get a certain, like let's say I get a grappling hook or something, which is probably what I would need to get these things. If I get that, then I say, okay, I can go back and I can replay the witch level and I can collect all those different soul balls that I couldn't reach before, which will allow me to then upgrade my powers and then you know go into the last level stronger. Um, I just, I find it frustrating that those things are not communicated clearly. Um, right. Because you don't know exactly what you can and cannot touch in the game. Um, there's some beautiful environment interactions. Like when you run over leaves, they kind of whip up behind you, you know, uh, if you run past some bushes, they'll kind of like, they'll shake as if you just kind of like dove through them. Um, but then there's other things that totally look like you could touch them that you can't at all. They're just side dressing. So it's not clear which is which. So that makes the puzzle stuff kind of frustrating, but that is a small, a small, you know, negative on what otherwise is a, is a, is a fun game so far. Um, I haven't had time to dump back into it, but you know, when I do, I'm sure I'll, I'll sure I'll enjoy it. I've got a funny feeling that the end bosses are going to be really hard and that I'll probably end up checking out because I, I don't enjoy games that are like crazy challenging. Um, yeah. especially things like this where like, you've got to run around the pattern that now this is when they do their spiral thing. Don't get hit by the spiral thing. Like it just gets really repetitive to me. And that's not my favorite kind of gameplay, but 
other than that, it's it was fun to find something on Xbox Game Pass that wasn't pixel art. Because <laughs> I find yes. that right now the I, disparity. I, I know you're not a huge fan. So the disparity is is just like it's either Forza Horizon Five, Halo Infinite, or like I, I don't play sports games, so there are some sports games. Or it's like indie pixel art stuff like Stardew Valley, which is fine. It's I'm sure it's a great game. I don't want to play it on my Xbox though. I'm at a point where my Xbox has got better graphics than my computer. (laughs) Like I'll play Minecraft on my computer. I'll play Stardew Valley or whatever else on my computer, but I don't want to play like really, you know, low, low poly indie games on the Xbox. Um, The stylized version uh, look of death's door is is a choice but the lighting in it is beautiful like it it does look like it and it feels like it it uses the capabilities of the xbox so that part's nice can i tease something for the next time i'm on yeah absolutely i'm in the first batch of people to get a steam deck they're supposed to start shipping february 25th so i'm hoping i will have one in my hands by the time i'm on the show again cool so i I'm very excited. So the uh, test test models have gone out to reviewers already and they're under NDA and it's looking like it's people are comparing it to all those other handheld computer devices that are out there and the Steam Deck is crushing them all. Nice. And it's and it's cheaper than all of them. So I'm very excited to get mine soon. Well, I wonder if a game like death's door would be like ideal for that kind of stuff like that might be it, the... it would be but they're saying um somebody just did a review because people were concerned about battery life oh yeah and and if you put uh let's this i forget what the game was they used i think it might have been devil may cry 5 which is very very uh graphic intensive if you put it on ultra settings and max everything and turn off the frame rate limiter um it lasts 90 minutes oh wow <laughs> um but if you turn all that stuff back on and turn off ultra and lower it down to like higher mid settings, um, you get six and a half hours out of it. Nice. So I'm like, it's going to be likely plugged in the whole time I'm playing it anyway. So yeah. I, I'm not really worried about battery life for, for the most part. But the fact that I know that I can play games and do stuff with it that and, and it's bigger than a switch. It's about the size of the new Switch OLED or slightly bigger. I'm like, that's fine. That's my gripe with the Switches. I don't have big hands, but my the, the Switch c- controller thing is too small for my hands. Too small, it's desi- yeah. It's, like, it's designed for like little kids' hands, not my hands. And I have tiny hands. I am a tiny human. Yeah. But yeah. it's still like, I, I like still have to like overlap my hands over stuff to make sure I can hit buttons. And it's very uncomfortable. And I'm like, you know what? They're saying that this thing doesn't have that. Maybe I'll be able to actually do this. I played some Mario Kart over at my sister's um, last year, and uh, they have a adult controller that like connects yes. to the Switch because um, my niece is you know nine and will <laughs> can use the Switch controller no problem. But all the adults in the room are like, nope, <laughs> this is. I, no, mean, I think my no. sister can manage it, but like I, me and Nick. Um, my no. bro- brother-in-law was like, uh, it was no, a, when I bought my switch, it was the first thing I did. I was like, no, I'm buying a yeah. pro controller. Cause uh, I'm not playing with that little, those little, those little 
uh, Skittles. Were they called like Joy Cons or something? I can't remember what yeah, they're called. Yeah, I'm not playing with one of those. Yeah, no. what's the um, what's the battery life on the Switch? Is it like five hours, six hours? It's like it's like six hours. Yeah. So six. Not... You get depending on the game. I the I think the shortest I've had is about four hours, and I think the longest I've had is probably about eight. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in between. So we might as well get into the main chat. I'm sure we're going to have many thoughts and feelings about the book of Boba Fett, episode seven, season finale. So spoilers ahead for that, folks, if you haven't watched it already. It just came out today. Uh, both Lou and I watched it um, in the mornings, like over breakfast time sort of deal. Um, the uh, one thing I want to get out of the way ahead of that, though, is that it appears that there's been a potential leak for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series premiering in May of 2022. Um, I don't know how much weight to put behind this. I don't normally talk about rumors on this show, but I'm really excited. I've seen a number of interviews with uh, Ewan McGregor in full Obi-Wan Kenobi beard, um, including one where him and uh, Pedro Pascal are talking about their Star Wars experiences, uh, which is like a Vanity Fair, like actors on actors sort of thing. It was a really good little interview on on YouTube. Very easy to find, I'm sure. Um, But I'm surprised uh, that the potential release date is May 2022. Because I would have thought that they w- would have wanted the Mandalorian season three to be out first. If that's well, the case, you have, to, you have to remember this is this is going to be like prequel stuff. So, yeah. so th- they don't really need Mandalorian to be out to further a plot at any point. No, 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 no. I just I would have thought they would have wanted um, to to build on the hype that they've already got. You know, like from yeah. Boba Fett from the Mandalorian being in Boba Fett and, and all of the like so much of the Mandalorian being in Boba Fett like I kind of thought that they would have wanted to springboard directly I, I into think, the next series I think Disney is just in a mad rush to keep the interest in Star Wars after Rise of Skywalker yeah and we'll get there's some there's some definite um nods to what they're going to do in the season finale of of Boba Fett as well some of which I hope they don't um, but yeah, I just, so I'm, I mean, I'm excited for, for May, if that's the case. And maybe it means the Mandalorian comes out between now and May. Cause I mean, it's not like the Mandalorian is going to be 25 episodes. Like it's going to be six, eight, you know, like they're usually yeah. shorter seasons. Boba Fett was only seven. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, so spoilers ahead for the book of Boba Fett episode seven, uh, season finale hopefully you've you've watched it if you haven't go watch it um the internet is probably going to tell you to go watch it today anyway if you're following these shows yes. people generally don't download podcasts or go on the internet when they're into these shows they tend to watch them immediately um so yeah like just be be forewarned um the finale uh for me was a mix of cool moments disjointed by character beats and and stuff that felt forced or off or You'd see one thing that would really, really cool, but then it wouldn't be thought through all the way. And you're just like, well, wait a minute. How did that work? Um, yeah. And so I feel like they definitely crammed a lot into the final episode. So it it ends up on a win for me, but only because of how much they got into it. Not yeah. necessarily because it was a good episode. It was because they tried their best to kind of tie some things off. I'm actually surprised given pandemic delays the amount of time that they had to write this coming off of the success of the mandalorian season one and two that because all seven of these episodes are written by john favreau that there wasn't more of a through line for boba fett like it really does feel disjointed for me as a season um but 
uh, I will say that the episodes that I find don't sit the best are directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is episode seven, episode one, and episode three. Episode three was about where I started to check out. Yeah, um, I, I will say I agree with you. Um, I like Robert Rodriguez as a director. I usually enjoy his work because of what it is. I don't think he's the best for Star Wars. No. Like, th- there's something about his storytelling and the way he directs stuff. I just don't think it worked for the first few episodes that he directed for this. Uh, he did fine with Mandalorian, but I think there was more... I think they may I think they may have given him a little more creativity and I don't think it worked with with Book of Boba Fett. No, and I think that the Book of Boba Fett and I said this last episode to me smacks of like the 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 wholesome Disney spoon stirring the pot a little bit too yeah. much. Like they've the problem right now and I don't want to start off by like hammering all the negatives but the hardest thing going into this final episode was I don't care about Boba Fett. <laughs> I care about Fennec Shand, Din Djarin, <laughs> Grogu, <laughs> you know, like I yeah. care about all these other characters. Uh, even Chrysanthemum, the Wookiee, like he's a cool character. It's not, he's not likable. Like he's a, he's kind of a bad guy. He's a badass, I guess, but he's not a hero, you know? Right. So he's not on your, on your light side of, of Star Wars, but he's still a cool character. Uh, so you kind of want to know what's going to happen. But I, I gave zero shits about Boba Fett. And it's because they took an iconic, cool character, a Clint Eastwood kind of like lone gunman type character, and they tried to give him like peace and solace and I just want to run a cartel and, and retire. I'm just like, there's nothing cool about that. Like that's not a, you know, like. No, I, I will say that by the end of this episode i liked him more than i did the beginning of the series yeah fair but but and i'm curious to see where they go going forward but i don't know i i think the first three episodes were a waste of time the only thing that i liked about the flashbacks in the first three episodes was the window that star wars fans got into tuscan raiders yeah. Like I thought that development of the Star Wars universe was really cool. Talking about Tusken Raiders being a, a, a mobile people on the planet when it was still covered in oceans. Like they've been around that yeah. long. Like that kind of yeah. stuff I thought was kind of cool. I, I feel like the jumping around, if they had just given me an episode where he climbed out of the pit and then he was with the Tusken Raiders for like episode two. And then episode three went right into everything else, and we hadn't done the jumping around. Yeah. I think I would have like. I think I would have liked it more. It was Linear. the jumping or it was the jumping around made me go. Oh, now we're gonna go back to this thing. Like there was an episode where they get attacked. Uh, him and um and uh uh, I- I'm gonna refer to her by her actor's name because I can never remember her character's name. Uh, Mina Wang there it get attacked and she jumps up on those roofs and she hunts down these bad guys and she runs off and like in the middle of that scene they cut away, and they do like a, a, a like like a like like another bit of the story with the Tuscans and I was like I thought we were done with them like yeah. why are we doing this and I was like it's it that's what drew me away from those first few episodes is it was so disjarred. If they had just had him climb out of the back to pit and like midway through, I mean, climb out of the, 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 the Sarlacc pit and then had him get caught by Tuscans and like started by showing him being prisoner by Tuscans and then ended 
with him being a prisoner by Tuscans, and then the next episode been the story with the Tuscan Raiders, and then the next episode being him teaming up with her and them hunting things down. I think I would have liked everything much better. I think I think they stopped doing that at episode four. Yeah. I think and and that's when I was like, oh man, I'm into this show now. Yeah. Yeah, because episode four and no, not uh, five was when Dinjarin returned. Yeah. But um, the episode four wasn't that bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as the other prior episodes. Yeah, because that's when I think the Pike Syndicate started to be a problem. And yeah. um the like that's when he finds out about the biker gang killing the Tuscan tribe and yeah. It, oh, it was the Rancor. That was the thing that you got out of Chapter Four. Was the Rancor and the the other people, the other bosses, like trying to assassinate Boba Fett, and it failed yeah. because the the bike the 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 um, Rainbow Ranger uh, Power Ranger <laughs> Biker Gang uh, Scooter Gang. Pardon me. Uh, okay, I kind of get what they were trying to do there. Everything is really the same color and really drab. And I think the idea was to add some color to the palette. Mm-hmm. I think they just added too much color. It's too much color. And they travel at the speed of sand, which <laughs> pardon the pun, because the whole thing's on Tatooine. But like, there's, there's a point where you can start to realize, and I talked about this last week with Steven about some of the practical effects in the fact that Grogo is a puppet for nearly everything. Unless they absolutely have to use CGI, he's a puppet. And it can be a little awkward sometimes. And I think the same is true. And you can see the transitions. Um, obviously, there's a couple of moments when Fennec Shand has to speed away on a, on a proper looking Star Wars speeder bike. Uh, and uh, these scooters have to also fly away. Uh, and... Most of the time, especially when an actor is involved, it is a thing on a, you know, probably some sort of rig that's then green screened out later. And yeah. it travels at about the speed of a, of a camera dolly. Like it's, they're really slow. Uh, and even the <laughs> first, the first like 20 feet of Fennec speeding off is like real person speed, like safe speed yeah. for actor. And then you yeah. can see when it switches to CG and she like puts it into second gear and she's off into the distance. And yeah. at least that looks good, but like the, they never get there with the scooters because they're I, always close I, up. I, they're always close up and they're always not close enough that you just see the top of the scooter. They're always close enough that you can see the bottom or the underneath of the scooter. I feel like they could have cut those shots so that they were, you're just seeing like the top of the thigh down. You don't need to see that it's a scooter. You know that it's a scooter. Yeah. And I, and I feel like they could do things at a faster pace if they weren't trying to show off the fact that you can see underneath and that there's nothing underneath. Yeah, I agree. And And I'm like, like I can deal with the fact that they're bright colors. It's kind of it, it's kind of jarring, but I can deal with it. Whatever. But as soon as you see them like slide or do something, and it just doesn't look right, that's where they start to lose me. Yeah, and it's not like bright colors aren't in Star Wars. I mean, like the Naboo Starfighter, the N one original was yellow. Um, yeah. There's um the I, well, red, the red think... guards from the Empire are bright red. You know, well, it's the, just I think I think it's just the fact that this show is all desert all yeah, the time, mm-hmm. and I think and I think they were trying to change up the color pattern. I don't even dislike them as characters; they're kind of like meh, like they're not my favorite. But I get that they were trying to give him, give Boba Fett like 
minions and they were the easiest thing to get minions where's boba fett gonna get minions he's gonna get minions from the outcasts and these guys are kind of the outcasts yeah that's fine i get it all right cool all right i'll get i'll give you that but i don't know and and i definitely think they i found them more likable in this last episode than the last couple episodes they were kind of useless until like this episode well because they're always against the man like they're always yeah. against government, against authority. They're kind of playing that trope. And then they realized once, uh, well, specifically, I can't remember her name, but um, it's one of the female uh, droid kids. She's got one arm. Um, yeah, she's the she's the leader kind of of uh, the group. Drash, maybe? Sophie Thatcher uh, is the actress? Um, yeah. Yeah, she's got like the red robotic arm. She witnesses Fennec Shan do some cool sniper stuff and then realizes like, if I start to follow their lead, not only can we get the job done better, but I can probably learn something from them. And yeah. you start, she kind of like pushes up to be a leader. She's the one that has the most lines. She's always on com on comms with Boba Fett or Fennec or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and they're working with the people from what's it called? Not new hope city. No hope city. Hope uh, uh, free city, free city. Thank you. Yeah. So the, the town that, um, that um, Cobb Vanth is the, um, the sheriff of they changed their name and um, so she's talking with those people and so like there's there's this kind of like mesh of like um, I mean it is kind of it does kind of smack you in the face like there's two strong female characters one from outside the city one from inside the city and they become friends in a gunfight you know and yeah. you kind of get the impression because of how much camera time they got that these are important characters that are being introduced by Disney and you're probably going to see more of them now yeah. I don't know if it's going to be live action or if it's going to be animated because I, I think we're going to see more of them in this show. Cause I knew, I think this was renewed for an additional season. Was it? Okay. I didn't check yeah. that far. Um, because at the end of all this to skip right to the, the, like the kind of like the, the ho-hum kind of like everything's wrapping up in a nice little bow scene. Um, Fennec and Boba Fett are walking down the street Boba Fett's talking about like, I'm not sure if I'm cut out for this. Like everybody's bowing to him because he's saved the day with his team and they're treating him like the magistrate now instead of a crime boss. So he's basically, he's the new mayor, uh, and, yeah. which is what he apparently wanted this whole time. And now he's saying he's not cut out for it. But the Fennec says something along the lines of like, well, then if we're not going to be here to lead, who will, who will take care of the town? And then almost immediately they run into a couple of the main scooter bike kids and chrysanthemum and i'm just yeah. thinking like including the, sp the speeders which are brightly colored in the shot so i mean if it's going to be a season two then maybe we'll have more of them in season two the the scooter kids um yeah and and boba fett adjusting to his new role um i'm okay with it if they make him a badass mayor you know because i, I think feel, that's what they're gonna do uh, they kind of like they need see what i was getting all of the stuff that i wanted from boba fett i was getting from cobb vanth as the marshal yeah. of of um you know new city or whatever freedom yeah. city and and so like i'm hoping they go down that route if they do because i i like i i really feel like the scooter gang and the techno music were the worst part of this show like it, I can let a lot of other stuff slide, like some of the other like story beats and the jumping around in time and the slow start and all that kind of stuff. The weird wishy-washy like Boba Fett, they're trying to make him look badass, but it's really not working. Like all that kind of stuff I can sort of forgive because of all the other cool things that we got. But whenever there's techno music and these, these um, 
scooter kids that are all augmented droids or, or people with droid parts. It just, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It feels like cyberpunk. I heard somebody describe it as whenever they're on camera, it's not that they're bad characters or that they're not telling an interesting story, but the way they stand out feels like that was some executive being like, we got to get something for the kids. Yeah. We've got to have something for the kids. And instead of making them interesting of themselves, they made them interesting by making them a toy. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, And like for me, I understand that cybernetic augmentation is part of Star Wars. Luke Skywalker has a robotic hand. Uh, Darth Vader is mostly robot. Uh, there's lots of, you know, situations like that. Um, but most of the time, it's not outward in appearance. Like, um, yeah. even Vader doesn't flash that he's got robotic limbs. Like, he could be, he, he doesn't need to wear pants from the knees down because he's all robot. <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, but, but he does, but he does, you know, and I mean, part of that is probably hiding that and like, you know, trying to keep that a mystery. Luke, same thing. He wears a glove, you know, until the later, you know, episodes uh, or movies where he's got a, like a robotic hand. But part of that, I'm sure was just the effects back in the, in the day. It was easier to just yeah. have him wear a glove, but like with this kind of stuff, they're just so outward and so like in front of everybody. I'm cool with like having a robotic arm. It's the big robotic eye you know, the very Terminator kind of looking thing where it's like, no, that it just doesn't feel Star Wars. It feels cyberpunk. And yeah. it just takes me right out of it. Just art, art from an art direction standpoint, it just did not ever mesh for me throughout the whole thing. Um, but in terms of the highlights, you know, like where, like what were your favorite parts of the final episode? Uh, anytime Cobb Vanth was on screen, I was like, yay, we're getting Timothy Oliphant and he's basically being himself from justified but in star wars i'll take it yeah justified and uh deadwood yeah, are the two yeah. heavily referenced <laughs> i was i was really annoyed when they made it look like he was dead i'm like he's not dead he's not oh, dead yeah. there's no way they're killing his character off there's no way did you watch the credits all the way through i did yeah. i did and i and when i saw it i was like okay he's either going to be in the show next season or He's going to get his own spinoff. Or Boba Fett's going to do his own thing and he's going to be the new mayor uh, that Cobb Vanth is going to be the new mayor of Mos Espa. Yeah. Right. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. New, new, new Star Wars series. It's just called Mos Espa, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause it's, it's an established place. Like episode one happened in Mos Espa. They went back in episode two uh, of like the, the films, um, you know, like it's an established area. And I feel like they're not going to just leave that alone, um, especially after investing so much with like Jabba's Palace and the Rancor for fan service and all that kind of stuff. And I really feel like um, their point, like I'm glad he's not gone because I'm like you, I really enjoy him as an actor. Timothy Oliphant's excellent. And um, he's probably just stoked that he's going to have at least some recurring roles for, for people that maybe you're listening and it, or, or haven't, you know, you didn't miss too much, but essentially the back to tank back at Jabba's palace, that's where Fennec, not, not Fennec. That's where, um, Cobb Van is. And we see him being rejuvenated in the, in the back to tank. But then also we see the, um, the modifier, the droid, yeah, the guy who did the guy who did the mods to, uh, uh, the droid kids. yeah yeah um he's got he's he's warming up his like heat scalpel or something to do some work on 
on Cobb. While Cobb's unconscious, I'm just like, I, I hope they don't do too much. Um, I'm assuming they're not going to cover up his face because uh, it's Timothy Oliphant. And he's a pretty big name. I would imagine yeah. he's going to have like an arm or a shoulder. Like he was shot in the shoulder from what I can tell. So I'd imagine yeah. he's probably going to have like a robotic arm or something cool. I figure um, he's going to have some kind of metal on his torso. Yeah. And it's going to be because they kept talking about his armor. Right. I'm like, he's going to have some kind of chest armor thing. Yeah. That he's going to have. Yeah. So that he like, like Marty McFly in the third um, back to the future um, when he gets shot in the chest, but he's got the, the boiler plate. Yeah. He's got, he's got yeah. the, the, uh, the They're going to do something like that. Yeah. Um, there was an awful lot of nods to Western stuff. Lots of gun standoffs. Um, I imagine a lot of Clone Wars fans are pretty disappointed that, that, um, uh, Cad Bane is dead. Um, well, he's dead, but it doesn't mean he's gone because they're doing so many shows that are going to mm, be flashbacks. That's like, like, like the Obi Wan show that I'm sure that he's going to make an appearance there. Probably. Uh, I I have to say I was really impressed with them making a live action version of him because mm -hmm. I remembered him from the other animated stuff. And he's always an interesting character. And I think they nailed the look and feel. And it's the same voice actor from the animated stuff doing yes. him. Yep. And I was like, if they had changed any of that, it wouldn't have worked. But when he showed up, I was like, I couldn't remember his character's name because it had been a while since I'd seen him in anything. And then as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh, that's right. I remember this guy. Man, they nailed that look. That that, that He looks excellent. Yeah, they did a really good job, uh, voice included, especially because they've aged him. Like he's yeah. he's he's paler. Like he's not as deep blue as he was in yeah. the show, uh, which makes him look old. And yeah. they did a good job with that. But I I didn't like that end fight. Um, no. One because I thought they brought in this really cool, interesting character that I was hoping to be a foil for the Mandalorian or other you know series down the line um, that weren't back in time, but like were part of this this kind of timeline. And yeah, and um, I just felt like they made him so badass and failed to make Boba Fett badass that I thought Boba Fett was dead six times in that final fight. Like there's there's no way. The only reason that Cobb Vance, uh, not Cobb Vance, I keep on getting them mixed up. The only reason that Cad Bane didn't make it is because he was monologuing like he basically had Boba Fett dead to rights and because he was talking um, because the script said so, Boba Fett grabs the gaffy stick from I don't know where he had that. I don't remember it was on seeing, his back. I don't remember seeing it at any point during at, the gunfight. At, at, at every scene, you would see this thing sticking up behind his back that oh, looked really? like a spear. Okay. And I kept being like, I kept trying to remember if that was this. I was like, that's not the spear that that that, that the, the Mandalorian was. No. The Mandalorian was carrying because that it looked a lot like the spear the Mandalorian was carrying that was made of um, Beskar. Yeah, uh, Beskar. And I was like, that's not the Beskar spear. What is that? And then when he pulled it out and snagged him, I'm like, oh, that's right. That thing was it's the gaffy stick. Uh, the uh, the other thing too was I don't know if you caught this, but I thought it was a continuing error, but it's not. He shoots that rocket at those droids and then leaves the the Mando to fight them and says, I'll be back with help. And he comes back with the Rancor. When he comes back with the Rancor, the rocket on his backpack is back again. Oh. So maybe he got the maybe he got the gaffy stick 
when he went back for the rancor. Yeah. That it, it every scene after he comes back with the rancor, he has that gaffy stick on his uh, back. Okay, so maybe yeah. I mean, if they, it, I wasn't watching that closely. I just didn't notice it until that point, and it's not yeah. a small thing. I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, but either way, like gaffy stick or no, I just thought it was. I mean, it was a dramatic end for, um, for Cad Bane. But I, I did really find it strange that because Cad Bane is so good. And and has him dead to rights so many times that it just like ugh, I kind of thought thought it was an overreach. I, I feel I feel like what Disney's trying to do, or at least they're trying to do with this show, is they're trying to make Star Wars less kiddie and more not adult, but more mature themed. And the only way they were going to do that is if they actually killed off characters, both good and bad. Right. And um. And I think they had to pick somebody to die that was going to mean something. And I think Cad Bane was just the guy that drew the straw. Mm-hmm. They were like, how many more things can we do with this guy? Well, we can use him in all those animated stuff and flashback stuff because he is in the Bad Batch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, and then they're doing the 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 the, the Obi-Wan show. I'm like, they can include him in that because it's a flashback thing. So it's not like we're not going to see him, probably see him again. It's just a matter of he just won't be in any of the future stuff. I'm glad you brought up the Bad Batch because they have a real, they've really missed an opportunity in the Book of Boba Fett because in the Bad Batch, when um, Cad Bane kidnaps the clone uh, and the, the Bad Batch go to get her, he ends up, uh, Cad Bane ends up in a fist fight that goes on for several minutes with Fennec Shand. And yeah. they never allude or even have a moment in the book of Boba Fett to let you know that Fennec Shand knows who Cad Bane is. Like there's not even a, oh, Cad Bane's here. We should be really focused because he's a force to be reckoned with. Or- I think that was writing. Uh, I think that, that uh, I think Bad Batch hadn't been written yet. And they didn't know when those things were going to air, so they didn't want to uh, uh, elude to the 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 the. They didn't want to make a mistake. Oh, I don't know. So the be- animation takes a long time to make. That stuff was probably written a long time ago. Yeah, but they did. But they might not have known whether or not it was going to air first or not. I guess yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, oh, or what timeline it is? Yeah. Because yeah. I guess I'd have to look. No, because they're clone troopers, so that would have happened a long time ago. Yeah, long time ago. Um, that and if you in that and if you notice, they never share a camera at the same time. So she only hears Cad Bane's name. Right, but then doesn't and, react. Like I didn't, you know. I yeah. That one of the biggest failings of this show is the fact that they didn't give enough quality dialogue to Fennec Shand. Um, she she gets to do the this is the plan kind of speech at, at, when they're stuck in the, 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 uh, Oasis ruins, like the, um, the destroyed nightclub. Um, yeah. she gives the, like, this is what we have to do. We have to disperse our people and have them keep watch. And she goes, the Gamorians will be here. And she's basically explaining to the viewers, like what Boba Fett has set up or what they've set up as a, as a net for the, um, for the Pike syndicate. Um, which is the same sort of speech you get from like princess Leia or, um, I can't remember the guy's name in Empire Strikes Back, but like it, they're always in front of a hologram explaining, this is the final yep. battle and this is what we're going to do. And so yep. she gets to do that. There was no hologram, which would have been nice. But um, although she had to, she got to do that a little bit the previous episode as well. They were looking at a layout of Mos Espa 
at Jabba's palace. Um, so I just, I wish they had given a little bit more to her. There was more, there was more leadership from her, which was good in episode seven. Yeah. Um, and definitely some, some people, f- um, that specifically, um, thrash from the, or drash rather these names, man. <laughs> it's so hard yeah, to get them straight. Um, but they're all, um, they all look up to her obviously. Cause she's, she's able to get stuff done. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like the um, that would be one of the 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 shortcomings for for her character. I like I wish there was more interaction with with Cad Bane. But either way, I'm sad that Cad Bane is dead. I thought he was a pretty interesting bad guy. I like the slow talking Western vibes that you got from from him and and everybody. Um, they there are a couple characters they can nail that with. Cobb Vanth, one of them. Din Djarin is one of them. And Cad Bane is the one that where they've really nailed, nailed like the lone gunman kind of swagger that they're yeah. going for, which I think is cool. And as Westerns go, like, and as, as I mean, Star Wars being a space Western, I thought overall Book of Boba Fett was, was pretty good in that way. My, my biggest takeaway from this is, is that the first few episodes kind of, I didn't know if I was going to keep watching. And then about episode four forward, they kind of started to suck me in and it left me going like, well, I think they could do something interesting with season two. You know, that, that was kind of my left, my, my, my takeaway was they've added a bunch of new characters. They've added up a bunch of things. They've, they've had Mando make his cameo so that they could tie some stuff together, make it a complete universe. I'm kind of curious to see where they go with a season two. Yeah. See, I find as much as I like the fact that Mando was in it, as soon as Mando's in it, I'm watching it for Mando. Yep. Oh no. Erica didn't watch the first few episodes with me because she saw them in the background while she was like doing dishes or cooking. And she was like, this is boring. Yeah. And then as soon as Mando showed up, she was like, Ooh, what's this? And it was like, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of what the the show should have started with Mando making his cameo. And then that way it would have been better. Yeah. And, and I think too, that um, even just the last three episodes, it could have been Boba Fett cameoing in season three yeah. <laughs> of, of um, Mandalorian. I don't nest. I still don't think that Boba Fett necessarily needed his entire series. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm not entirely convinced that Tamara Morrison enjoyed it. Like I just, I don't get, I don't get the vibes like that. Even if I, when I've seen interviews with him, like he, it doesn't like it, it doesn't seem like it was fun. And I feel like that comes across on screen um mm-hmm. and and i whereas other people that have been interviewed about like the like um mandalorian and other shows like there just seems to be so much reverence and and joy around it that it just it you can feel it when you watch the different directors tackle things um yeah i mean fan service wise there was some fun highlights uh getting to see a rancor in live action do its thing was pretty cool even with the obvious nod to king kong um near the end Um, yeah that actually kind of bothered me yeah well because it's not even that subtle um yeah and and really in the in the show art like in the concept art that they showed at the end uh of the of the show um he's holding he's not holding dinjarin he's holding the twi'lek he's holding um garsa whip (laughs) right you're just kind of like um that's that's straight up king kong right um, yeah. So they obviously dialed it back. I just, I didn't like the repetitive gag of him trying to bite Din Djarin's head off and yeah. it's, and, and the, him not being able to bite through the helmet. It's like that. It just, I don't know. I, I feel like 
Din Djarin is savvy enough to be able to do the whole um, flamethrower thing the first time. So there right. were some things, and this is what I was trying to get at at the very beginning of this discussion was like, they have these cool moments with like, whoa, Boba Fett riding a Rancor, that's badass. Didn't we just see the Rancor be like a third this size, like last episode? Like it, there was yeah. no, there was no way to discern how long it's been or how the Rancor got that big. Um, yeah, I, I would say that I think that's probably my biggest gripe with this show is they start by showing Boba Fett in the desert getting rescued by Tusken Raiders and he's a prisoner for the Tusken Raiders and they make it seem like he's a prisoner with the Tusken Raiders for like a day or two when in reality he was probably a prisoner for the Tusken Raiders for like a couple of years. Yeah, I don't know about years, but certainly months. Because his scars yeah. heal up, like his head scars and the acid yeah. burns from the Sarlacc pit and the sun exposure. Like he ends up being healed and he looks healthier uh, yeah. as they go to different flashbacks. But yeah, they don't really let you know how long it's been. But they, but again, like, I mean, they don't tell you if, if something like a Rancor is going to come in and triple in size, the, you need to tell the audience how. You know, yeah. they tell them like they give you the information, like how is he even controlling it? And that information is given to you because um, they say, hey, he's going to imprint very heavily on the very first person that he sees. So you have to be the one to take these blinders off because then the Rancor is going to be your friend and your protector for its entire life. I was really excited when I saw Danny Trejo as the yeah. Rancor trainer. <laughs> I was really glad that he didn't show up again in the last episode. Yeah. I love him, but I was like, yeah, he made his appearance. We don't need him in anymore. I feel like, you know, the, the Rancor stuff was, was cool. I mean, like they, you kind of have to let your Star Wars imagination go. These giant droids, um, that come in on behalf of the, the Pike Syndicate, which are Scorpionic Annihilators, I'm told by the internet. Uh, they've never given them a name in the show. Uh, they are based off of concept art from essentially destroyer droids on steroids from Attack of the Clones, I think, that just never made it into yeah. production. Um, yeah. So they, they've, they've existed in Star Wars, at least in terms of, you know, the history books for a while. Um, but uh, like that was cool, but you just kind of have to accept that these droids that are destroying buildings with their blasters, when they shoot the Rancor in the chest, nothing happens. Now... The Rancor gets thrown back, but he's not dead. And yeah, I I mean, you just kind of have to, I guess, let your imagination say, all right, well, maybe the Rancor has got really thick armor. Because they do have like shoulder armor. Like they have like a spiny, it looks like a turtle shell kind of like on their shoulders. So they've got some sort of like plating. And there's no, I mean, it's an alien. Who knows how big the hide is on these things? Maybe it's just, it's yeah. like a, you know, it's like a souped up rhino and it's got thicker skin because it can take all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But this Rancor takes a beating from these things and keeps on, on destroying stuff and it gets very, very angry. Um, and then eventually it goes on a, on a rampage, which I thought was odd. Um, it's scared of fire. Cad Bane shoots it away with a blowtorch. Um, but I thought they did a decent job of conveying to the audience that this thing is on a rampage out of fear not yeah. out of anger and yeah. then of course they use grogu to subdue it and do like a force mind thing and calm yeah. calm him down so you get the idea that grogu can sense that this thing is scared not angry so he knows that if he goes out there and tries to calm it that it's not going to attack him and you get this really funny cute moment between grogu kind of like patting the rancor which is like 
a thousand times his size on on the nose like there there buddy it's okay and then he curls up and has a nap next to him so like that kind of stuff was some again fun fan service that's just meant to be good star wars moments you know and the show in the finale had moments like that sprinkled in uh when grogu um shows up again like this is all things i was not expecting i didn't think we were going to get an answer to that grogu cliffhanger for a long time i thought mando season three was going to be where we get our answer exactly right so when you see the x-wing show up and you're like they're not going to bring luke skywalker back for this entire fight are they because i don't want to watch robo luke no thanks um because it really takes me out of it uh and and they they didn't r2 brought grogu back in in the x-wing and um you have to deal with with motto and her sense of humor and all that kind of stuff that i don't like to get grogu back to the fight she didn't she didn't bother me so much in this episode as she did the other one because she wasn't in the whole episode she's in like maybe three minutes five yeah minutes she's not the, in it too much she's not in it too much and in her her role in it made sense she brought gogu to grogu to the fight and i was like okay cool and then she just kind of hid yeah well she lost and a tooth and made a big deal yeah. out of that right so she's uh, like oh god like just it she's cartoonish and i don't find that she fits but um but grogu being there i was just like okay well i know it's gonna He's going to end up doing his force power to do something. He's going to save Din Djarin somehow. Um, yeah. and, but what I like about it is that, and he does that, like Din Djarin gets threatened by the, the Scorpionic droid and um, it's trying to destroy him. I guess it just kind of misses and hits his leg or whatever. Um, it feels strange that it was going at his leg, not his chest. Um, but what I like so much about it is that he was trying to do the same thing that he was learning with Luke, where he was trying to get the ball. Like he's trying to bring, yeah, he's trying to control the thing and bring it to him. And, uh, cause he was having trouble with the frogs. And so Grogu focuses on, I want the thing. And of course, Grogu always wants like the shiny little ball stuff. Um, yeah. Mando has a little piece of the, of the razor crest with him. Um, but he takes the, it's the same idea. It's the same thing. He grabs like the ball joint, ish out of the the knee of the scorpionic droid and he removes it with the force but it's so big <laughs> that it knocks him over but he squeals with delight not ouch like it's just like yes i did it but i've got bowled over by the size of the thing like it it was yeah. a fun fun moment so he's successful and cute and does all the things so like moments like that are are fantastic in, in the finale but you're also like that was amazing and then you take a minute to think about it and it's got nothing to do with boba fett <laughs> like this yep. is just yep. sneak peeks of, of mandalorian season three that everybody wants so badly right so um i i really enjoyed all that kind of stuff um if you're a Deadwood fan, then you probably appreciated the Rancor sticking its thumb through the eye of the droid. <laughs> if you know, you know, um, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like there were some moments like that, that I think that they were doing some, some heavy fan service. Um, we also did finally get to see Fennec Shand show her skills at the very end by wiping out the last of the Pike syndicate and the mayor of Mos Espa, um, in their headquarters. The problem is like she sent set off to do that as a, this is what we should do to win this fight so that more people don't keep coming, right? Yeah. But they've already won back at Mos Espa before she, before she kills all the leaders. So yeah. taking the head off the snake doesn't matter because Boba Fett, the Rancor, and Din Djarin have already dismantled the body of the snake. Like it just, it felt strange. She should have been able to do that 
or they should have shown that mid episode, I think. And again, yeah, it's one of those things where it's a very cool Fennec Shang moment. Uh, and you're like, that's awesome. Why is it happening now? So there's always something in your mind with these cool moments in the show that like, that was wicked, but wait, that doesn't make sense. You like, so you yeah. always have this little nag in the back there. And, and I, and I don't know why that is like, it is, I can't seem to put my finger on it, but um, anyway, it all seems to be um, overall uh, an enjoyable show. Like I, I, I'm not upset that I watched it. I don't feel like my childhood has been destroyed, you know, by, by the show. Um, it's just, I think, one of the challenges that they had was coming off of season two of Mandalorian. Everybody just losing their mind about how good that show is. You've got some big shoes to fill or a big helmet to fill, I guess. Yeah. Uh, on, on Boba Fett and they did okay, but um, I'm more interested in most of the other characters in the show, except for Boba Fett. Yeah. I, I think that's the big takeaway from just about everybody. Moving on into the internet minute, if you enjoy the show, the Citadel Cafe is brought to you by people just like you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you access to the member-only Discord server, and depending on your level of support, you also get access to bonus episodes. Patron count is at 25. That's up two from the last time we recorded if I am not mistaken. Our goal each month is to have at least one more patron than the month before. We've met it, but there's always room for more. If you'd like to be patron number 26, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. I've got a quick follow-up from last week about the Lego helmets for Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian that we talked about. They will both retail for $79.99 Canadian each, which is well above the range of 50 to $70 that we saw for the existing helmets. Woof. That Mandalorian helmet is not worth 80 bucks. It's, it's iconic, but it's not a very exciting looking build. Uh, I do really like the Luke Skywalker rogue five helmet. Um, I, I really would like to have it, but $80 like that, that to me is outside the realm of, of reasonable for, for a build that size. Yeah. My main pick this week is both Lego and Star Wars centric. Uh, if you're detecting a theme the last couple of weeks, you're not alone. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has a release date. Uh, that is April 5th, 2022. The game has been delayed a couple of times with pandemic um, restrictions and stuff like that. Uh, but it is billed as being the biggest, most visually striking Lego Star Wars game yet with a wide range of characters to play covering all nine of the Skywalker Saga films. Uh, no info yet on whether it will be part of Xbox Game Pass, but it will be available on Xbox and a number of other platforms. Uh, so I watched the trailer for this and uh, it looks pretty fun. I mean, it's Lego Star Wars. I've always liked those games. Uh, my only concern is like the scope of the of the nine films that they're covering could end up being like, if you had done one film and done it very well, it could be really, really good. But doing all nine films in the saga... I don't know how thin it's going to feel as you, as you play, Yeah, but I don't know if it's, it's been in development for a while. Lego games are usually pretty good. And there's also a bunch of humor to them. Like there's a, there's a moment in the trailer where Luke Skywalker as like a Lego figure says to Ben Kenobi, 
how did my father die? And Ben, not looking at him, kind of goes, yee. <laughs> like, like yeah. oh, that was me. Uh, <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> it's really funny. There's some pretty awkward, awkward moments and, and some funny bits in it. So, like, I'm expecting more Star Wars humor than I am some serious storytelling. Um, yeah. So, that, that should be fun. Um, but uh, it does look really cool. Some of the graphics that they've shown. There's a full six minute trailer out for gameplay, but I decided not to watch that in case it's just a bunch of, you know, it's like comedy movies where they show you all the funny bits in the trailer. I don't want yeah. all the gameplay footage to be like, oh, here's the cool reveal, <laughs> you know, from the game. But uh, either way, coming out uh, this April, um, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. That wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, even YouTube. And of course, word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell friends about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. Check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. And of course, follow me on Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where every Friday I've been playing modded Minecraft in all of Fabric 5 and on the weekends, working hard on the Citadel, building a medieval town in Minecraft and having a blast doing it. Lou, where can people find you online? Easiest place to find me is under all the social media, under Busy Zombie Lord. And you can check out my show, Zombies Ate My Podcast, where last week we got into the deep debate about whether or not Night of the Comet is a zombie movie or not. And no, we didn't answer the question. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.